Hi there, this is Shane Claiborne and Tony Campolo, and the name of the show is Across the Pond. We are on the east coast of the United States uh, recording this show, hence the name Across the Pond, and we're glad that you're joining us. We get to uh, do this every week at this time, and we're talking about our faith and how it connects to the world that we live in. We get to have a lot of great guests, but this week they got to settle for you and me, huh? So we, well, we, yeah, we, we get to talk we're to not, each other. That's right. We're going to talk to each other. Um, the, um, the thing is that we like to promote Red Letter Christianity. Uh, for those on the other side of the pond, that's a movement that is operative here in the United States. We hope to get it going there in the United Kingdom in the very near future. We've been talking to some key guys over there on your side of the pond. Uh, we've been uh, talking to uh, uh, Steve Chalk, and we've been talking uh, to Ash Barker, who works up there in the Manchester area with the Newbegin Center. And uh, the Red Letter Christian Movement, which we're uh, hoping to initiate in the United Kingdom in the not-too-distant future, is an attempt to uh, uh, stand with the radical teachings of Jesus. Uh, here in the United States, many of the Bibles have red letters highlighting the words of Jesus. Um, I understand that on your side of the pond, uh, you're too cheap to have <laughs> Red letter Bibles, but you're on our side of the pond here in the United States. You get uh, get the Bible and open it up, and uh, the words of Jesus are highlighted in red letters. And we have uh, really been on a crusade. If you well, I don't use that word anymore. We've been really on a a tear, uh, trying to promote uh, a commitment to the red letters of the Bible. Uh, the Apostle Paul in the epistles gives us a theology. The red letters, which highlight the words of Jesus, give us our lifestyle. And uh, we've concentrated a lot over the last several years on getting our doctrine straight. But it's time to get our lifestyle straight, to begin to live according to the Sermon on the Mount, the radical teachings of Jesus. The truth is that Jesus is much more radical than anybody that's ever come down the pike. Uh, when Jesus calls somebody, says Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he calls him to come and die, uh, to uh, adopt a whole new life, a life of uh, sacrificial giving, a life of forgiveness, a life of uh, being gracious and meek, uh, a life of being forgiving. Um, we need Jesus, hmm. and we need the lifestyle that Jesus has prescribed. The world would be a different place if we were red-letter Christians. So we're going to be promoting that when we're on your side of the pond. But today I'm, I'm interviewing our good buddy, and I guess he's going to interview me. I'm interviewing um, Shane Claiborne. Um, you're, you're an interesting guy, Shane. You're going to be over in the United <laughs> Kingdom speaking, and I, I'm just looking at your, thinking about your schedule in the next several days, you know, you, uh, Bristol, London. Amsterdam. I mean, you're all over the place. I mean, you must be racking up frequent flyer miles like nobody's business. I mean, it must be awesome. But uh, there's there's so many good people, so many good things happening that uh, it's, yeah. you know I, I get to hang out with the, this beautiful community uh, called Love Bristol. That's there. In oh Bristol. yeah, sure. Get to meet with uh, Reese, our friend, who's the mayor yeah. there, and uh, get to hang out with the. Justin Welby and uh, hopefully our friend Steve Chalk. It's going to be a good time. There's a lot of good stuff happening, so yeah. I, I don't want to miss anything. Cutting edge, yeah. You're going to be you're going to be meeting the Archbishop of Canterbury uh, in the near future. What a, what a hoot that is! 
uh, Shane Claiborne uh, meeting the Archbishop of Canterbury. <laughs> Man, you. You, I, got, I didn't even wow. think I got to. I'm, I'm, I got to pack my dress clothes. I think yeah, that was, yeah. You know, I, I, wasn't there? A, there was a time where Gandhi met with the British royalty, and they said, "Why are you coming half naked?" And he said, "I knew that they would have enough clothes for all of us." <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, it's great. There you I'm, go. I'm really uh, thrilled to to see what's happening. You know, inside the institutions and outside, there's there's stuff yeah. happening everywhere over there, and I think we've got a lot to learn from it. Well, when you're talking to the Archbishop, tell him about the Red Letter Christians movement. Because uh, with his help, the thing could really pick up momentum, couldn't it? I would, I would think yeah. so. And it yeah. would seem to me that the Anglican Church would be ripe for this kind of thing. You know, that uh, they must be getting tired of all the arguments they're having over theology. You know, they're having doctrinal arguments in the Church of England all the time. And there's a point at which you have to say, hey, why don't we become like the early church? The early church was having huge arguments over theology. I mean, if you study the works of Elaine Pagel, who is the foremost authority on the early church uh, at Princeton University, she teaches courses in that, and uh, she points out that the early church was constantly having these intense arguments. They weren't even sure as to whether or not Jesus was God, the Son of God. They, all kinds of things were going around. Uh, there were all kinds of heresies running. But the one thing they were unified in was this, Jesus Christ is Lord. That was the earliest creed, Jesus Christ is Lord. We, we're not going to go into whether you believe this or that or the other thing. We want to know, are you willing to live the life that Jesus has called you to live? Jesus is resurrected. He is alive. He's in the world today. Are you willing to follow him? That was the earliest thing that Jesus ever said to his disciples. Follow me, to follow Jesus. I'm a poor example of that, and I, I guess you would admit to the same mm -hmm. thing that uh, we are not there yet. We're we're striving. We're constantly reading those red letters in the Bible, the words of Jesus. We're trying to be what Jesus wants us to be, but we're not there yet. I like the uh, the theme for the the Anglican Church. Is the, at least this series that I've been doing with them is "Thy Kingdom Come," uh -huh. which is a really beautiful prayer, you know, and yeah. and, and uh, vision for the kingdom not just being something we evacuate to and you know escape to, but yeah. something that we we are to to bring on earth while we're living. And uh, so that's that's what we're after. Good, yeah. Uh, when we pray thy kingdom come, it's on earth. It's not in the sky, it's here on earth. Uh, to see the justice and the love of God lived out in the lives of our friends and in our own lives. Um, well, you are running all over the world, but I'm intrigued with the fact that you do your best each month to spend uh, a certain amount of time in this... Uh, a kind of derelict or worn-out section of Philadelphia, uh, North Philadelphia, Kensington area. Uh, how much time do you spend, and uh, what's the point? Well, I, I first of all, I love my neighborhood. It's it's uh, been home for twenty years now. This is our twentieth year, uh, you know, celebrating our little community, the Simple Way, on the north side of Philly. And that's the um, name of the program, isn't it? The Simple yeah, Way. Yeah, that that's the community we started twenty years ago, and um, so our, people can go to a website. Yeah, thesimpleway.org. Okay, check out what, what it's all of what's about. Happening, and we've. Um, uh, our, our neighborhood, you know, it's interesting because it's called Kensington, which is a little different neighborhood, I think, over there in the UK. But um, it, it was an old factory town, and, and a lot of those factories uh, were, they, they were the magnet, you know, that brought everybody to the neighborhood. And there's old billboards that said, 
Kensington where everybody wants to move and, uh, you know, people flock there. And then those factories have moved out and, um, and we, we've lost uh, over 100,000 jobs. Uh, but, we, we, you know, we've got a 700 abandoned factories, a lot of abandoned houses. But what we really have uh, that's so beautiful is we have community. And that's how people have survived. Our neighborhood is, you know, right now we, we've got fire hydrants that are opening up so, you know, kids can play. Blocks closed down in the summertime to traffic so kids can, um, you know, create a playground in the middle of the street because we don't have too much grass. And uh, so it's, it's, it's in, you know, it's, it's a neighborhood that I am proud to call home. And when everybody, you know, some, sometimes people call Kensington uh, the Badlands and, and I always tell them, that's exactly what they said about Nazareth. You know, yeah. nothing good could come from there and look who showed up. So yeah. we, we know better. So I love my neighborhood. Right now we're getting our gardens ready. We've got we've got kind of an urban homestead. You know, we're building a little farm in, in the cracks of the concrete. Anytime a house burns down or uh, gets demolished, we build a garden. So we've got, uh, you know, about a dozen of these little garden uh, patches now and chickens and blueberries and grapevines. we got a whole... Uh, place where kids can uh, like an edible garden where they can walk after school and just eat <laughs> like, <laughs> like the garden of Eden. Um, and um, so, yeah, I, I, I love being home and I, I, I love getting to travel and preach too. So from the very beginning of when I, you know, after I wrote my first book and started traveling more, I limited uh, my days away from home. So um, I'm home more than I'm away right now. That looks like about 10 days a month that I travel and mm -hmm. uh, the rest of the time I'm home like yesterday. I've got a sore back because I, yeah. I, I shoveled so much compost yesterday. <laughs> but yeah, we, we've been uh, getting our gardens ready. We've got a greenhouse with a fish tank underneath it. So we've got like an aquaponic system where uh, fish and vegetables are growing and murals that we're painting. we got a circus we're doing this uh, this summer. So uh, well, what is that going to be? Carnival de Resistance. It's, and what, uh, what will you do with this thing? Oh, man, we're going to have – it's, it's going to be just – fantastic we, we're going to have uh magicians and jugglers and uh street performances and you know uh, drummers Whoa. and acrobats fire breathers see I, I went to circus school a while back so i'm going to bust out my my fire breathing and fire I didn't eating know that. and uh stilts like i got it's going to be a blast so I, I, did you what you may not know is we also I, I i don't know if i've mentioned this on our show but we we set a world record this year um for juggling uh, machetes and and uh, chopping the most apples in 30 seconds. So it was like 20 apples that were chopped in a half a minute. So, Does this make Guinness Book of Records? Yes, it is officially in Guinness Book of World Records, set right uh, on Potter Street at the Simple Way. Whoa, so we, congratulations. We, yeah, thank you. you know, yeah. That's the kind of record that we want to be known for, yeah. you know. So, But anyway, it's I, I love my community. We're also, you know, when we think about this this idea that we're talking about, you know, thy kingdom come, uh, a part of what we pray, pray every morning is thy kingdom come in Kensington, you know, yeah. on Potter Street, in our neighborhood. What does that look like? And so right now we're, we're deeply concerned about gun violence. So when I get back from uh, this trip to the UK, I'll be... Um, we're taking an AR-15, which is uh, one of those military-style assault an, an rifles attack, that, that an keeps, attack weapon. keeps getting used over and over in these mass shootings. And we're going to melt it down into garden tools. And a lot of the tools that we have in our garden 
that we use uh, were were repurposed from uh, uh, guns and assault weapons. So yeah. it's pretty great. That's picking up the scriptures where it says, "Beat the uh, swords into plowshares and right. learn war no more." And symbolically, we don't uh, use swords; we we use guns, melting them down, making them into tools to do gardening. What a fascinating thing! Uh, you know, it's uh, it's it's wonderful to hear these stories because. You know, when they think of a speaker, a world-renowned speaker as you are, they don't think of you, you know, settling into a neighborhood and working uh, face-to-face with poor people. This gives legitimacy to your speaking. Uh, you know, I mean, you're not just well, it's, a talker. It's what I love. You know, I, I don't, I don't uh, just like preaching, telling people what to do. I, I, I try to speak out of the, you know, our, our own struggle to be faithful to Jesus ourselves, you know, and, and uh, I love, I love uh, having a community that's a real place to come home to, you know, and, and uh, uh, when I look at the Gospels, one of the things that's so clear is that there is a particularity to Jesus's call in life. I mean, he comes from Nazareth in Galilee, and he lives in Bethany and Capernaum and these like real places, you know, and so as we read the Gospel, like, it's happening in real time in real places with real people, and and a part of what we've got to do, I think, is figure out where, where, um, you know, where where is our our uh, place that we feel called to? What is our parish? Yeah, and the um, the big big name of the game is this: that uh, it sounds like you're having a lot of fun at this uh, uh, so-called carnival and this these uh, street parties and all the fun you're having on, in the midst of this. Uh, a worn-out section of the city, Kensington, worn-out part of the city of Philadelphia. And as uh, Shane said, the Kensington in Philadelphia is nothing like Kensington uh, in the in, in London. Uh, it's it's really a beat-up section of the city, but it's coming to life again. The houses are getting fixed up. An old cathedral has been painted and fixed and being used for worship services. A Pentecostal congregation is in there praising the Lord. All kinds of good things are happening. Um if you want to know more about uh, how Shane got into all of this, he wrote a book called The Irresistible Revolution. It's in its 10-year uh, anniversary printing. It's out there. It's one of the best sellers in the Christian bookstore world. Uh, it's all over the United Kingdom, The Irresistible Revolution by Shane Claiborne. Get a copy of that book. A book of mine that is no longer in print, although you can get it on Amazon, is called The Kingdom of God as a Party. And the reason why I mention that here is because it sounds like you guys on Potter Street in the Kensington section of Philadelphia have made the kingdom of God into a party. You know, sometimes we talk about the kingdom of God with such serious tones, you know, the kingdom of God and oh, I mean, it sounds almost boring and dull when in reality, Jesus said, I'll tell you what my kingdom's like. My kingdom's like a wedding feast Mm. and Jesus being Jewish uh, is like Jewish people, Italian people, Greek people, uh, a- 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 Arab people, all the people in the Ar- in that Mediterranean area. When they throw weddings, they have throw out <laughs> weddings that blow your mind, singing and dancing and all kinds of fun. And Jesus says, I want you to understand my kingdom's like that. And I'm the bridegroom at this wedding feast. And as long as you have the bridegroom, you party. So celebrate, celebrate, mm. celebrate. And... Uh, uh, that's what's going on in North Philadelphia. You got married. How did, did. that change things? <laughs> How did that change things? I, I've been married seven years now, and uh, uh, 
It's been incredible. You know, so it's people used to tell me, well, all that radical Christianity is great, and then you get married and you settle down and, you know, everything changes. Yeah. And but you married a the, wife the, that's yeah, more the, radical than you are. Right. I mean, she, she, um, she's one of the first things she did was she looked at our income and she said, we, we spend too much money. And uh, I'm like, honey, oh, I make, we make like $25,000. You know, she's like, it's too much. We need to live off less. So she cut our budget back so we could give more away. She got rid of uh, my uh, our air conditioner because she, she's a public school teacher and they don't have air conditioning. They don't, they don't have cooling, you know, cool air in the, in the school. And she said, we need to live in solidarity with our schools and our neighbors. So we got rid of the air conditioner. So, um, yeah, so she's a wild. <laughs> she's, she's more than you are. Yeah, pretty yeah. great. And uh, right now she's looking at these people throw out these school buses. I guess she knows because she's in the public schools, you know. So she's they they you know uh, get rid of them after a certain amount of miles. So now that the big thing we're going to do this summer is take one of these school buses that's out of commission and turn it into a little RV that we can travel in because we're going to go on tour with uh, this new book I'm doing, and so we're we're going to convert a school bus to RV uh, uh, this summer. <laughs> wow, that's 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 crazy. <laughs> and travel with the forge behind us so we can invite people around the country to bring their guns to the forge so we can melt them down. So it's going to be a fun year. Now, a few years ago, you took a tour uh, in a VW uh, station wagon. I, what do they call those things? Uh, well, we, we had a, when we did the Jesus for President thing, we had a bus that ran off veggie oil. That yeah, that's what I wanted to so talk that about. That was a school bus, too, or it was a giant bus. And, uh, and it, it had, uh, the, what I didn't know is diesel that invented the diesel engine was running it off peanut oil. And the, uh, the original intent was to, uh, you know, have, uh, uh, get, like fuel that would be renewable. And uh -huh. so, uh, anyway, so my friends had converted this, uh, uh, diesel engine to run off veggie oil. So every town we went to, one of the <laughs> the requirements on our rider, on our speaking contract, was that they had to gather waste vegetable oil to fill up our bus. So every time we'd come into town and we'd filter it, and we're literally running our bus off. You of, got it uh, off of what? Go to a oil. McDonald's? It smelled like uh, smelled like uh, French fries. Yeah. No, you know, here's this thing: is McDonald's oil is so bad that you can't even run the engine off of it. So we had, <laughs> the, the best oil we could find was from like the Indian restaurant or, you know, like a family owned, uh, uh, you know, Chinese restaurant or something. So we got all kinds of oil. Um, but we went like 10,000 miles basically for free, you know, off yeah. of uh, running off veggie oil. So that's crazy. It's a lot of work though. I had to be back yeah, there like yeah. turning it. I had to turn this crank and uh, filter all the how oil. Long, you, how can't, long? you can't have little bits of uh, French fries and egg rolls and stuff in your oil. How much of a day did you spend cleaning up the oil for well, while they drove i would uh, get back there and crank anytime we were running low oh my so, gosh but i i think that that part of what we we look at is the sustainability of our world and you know even as we're traveling and stuff we we're trying to you know reuse and and uh uh stuff that's getting thrown out so um yeah man so that's that's uh, what, what i've been up to <laughs> well i've been talking to shane claiborne who is the other guy that does the show with me i'm tony campolo we're here every week at this time. The name of the show is From Across the Pond, so named because we put it together on uh, our side of the Atlantic Ocean. Uh, that is the U.S. side. Uh, we do the show at Cabrini University and Eastern University. These are two Christian colleges, two Christian universities that sit across the road from each other, one being Catholic, uh, Cabrini, a wonderful Christian school, and uh, Eastern 
I I don't want to put down Cabrini, but even a more wonderful school, uh, basically wonderful. Yeah, yeah, yeah basically uh, grown out of the Baptist tradition. So Baptist, Roman Catholic, but one in Christ Jesus, and that's the important thing uh, to recognize: the transcending denominational differences is the oneness that we find in Jesus Christ. He's our Savior. He's our Lord. It's His Spirit that dwells in people, whether they're Catholic or whether they're Protestant. Uh, we are all one in Christ Jesus. So you uh, had, you asked me a bunch of questions. Uh, let me ask you because you know I just said that this was our twentieth year in our community, but you you've, you've got a few more years on me, and I, oh, I wonder, yeah. like, uh, you know, as you're as you're thinking about how you've sustained your faith and your 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 soul and some pretty some pretty high ups and downs over the last many yeah. you know decades. What what are some of the, the the things that have been key to that? I think uh, most crucial is my prayer time. I used to say it was my Bible study, but it's really been my prayer time. I spend more time in prayer than I do in Bible study, actually. I tried to think about that the other day. And uh, generally, I do my praying in the morning for reasons I don't quite understand. I wake up about a half hour before I really uh, have to wake up. I set the alarm clock, and uh, generally I wake up about a half hour before the alarm clock goes off. And lying in bed, I center down in Jesus. I, I say his name over and over again, and Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. It enables me to get focused, and I just kind of feel his presence. I wait for his spirit to flow into me. I, uh, in, in the morning uh, before the day starts, I really can sense the presence of Jesus as I can no other time during the day. During the rest of the day, I get other things that make it difficult to concentrate on Jesus. Mm. But in the morning, before I start the day, I just push everything else out of my mind. It takes me about 10 to 15 minutes to become inwardly still, inwardly quiet. The scripture says, be still and know that I am God. Mm. I wait about 15 minutes uh, of stillness and quietude. Uh, We know that passage that reads, uh, they who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. And we, we got the words, wait upon the Lord, wait. People don't wait for the Spirit of God to invade them. Mm. Uh, they want instantaneous connection with the Almighty. Uh, it takes me a while to clear my mind of all the extraneous things that uh, impinge on my existence, all the things that worry me, all the things that put me down. Mm. So prayer is crucial uh, to what I do. I then read the Bible. Uh, I wish I could say I read the Bible every day. I don't. But most days I do get to read the Bible. And I read it in a very important way. It's prayerfully done. It's, uh, it's, I'll read a few verses, very often just the red letters of the Bible, the words of Jesus that are highlighted in red in many of our Bibles. And in the quietude and in the stillness of the morning, I'll read five, six verses, close my mind and say, okay, Lord, what do you want to teach me from the verses that I have just read? Mm. And Shane, I have to tell you, more times than not, what comes to me from the Lord in those moments of quietude as I'm reading the Scripture, waiting for Christ to teach me from the Scriptures. You know, he said, if I leave you, Jesus said, I will send the Holy Spirit and he will teach you all things. And I wait for the Holy Spirit to teach me from Scripture. 
And what is amazing to me is how relevant mm. what comes to me in those moments of stillness, how relevant it is to the situations I am facing at that particular moment. Mm. Well, we're coming near the end of our show, and I didn't get into a lot of stuff. I wanted to probe you more. You wanted to probe <laughs> me more. You know, when we get talking, we just talk and talk and talk. Yeah. Um, listen, um, keep tabs of us. We've got a website, redletterchristians.org. Check it out because you need to become a Red Letter Christian. You need to say, hey, you guys turn me on uh, with what you're talking about. Uh, you're talking about being faithful to the teachings of Jesus. We find so many arguments over theology. In reality, the real question is, are you following Jesus? One of the, one of the great parts of it, too, is you can click on the people part, and you see all of these people, many of them have been guests on our show, that are living out and writing about and speaking about uh, the red letters of Jesus. So it's a pretty amazing movement. We want you to be a part of it. So uh, go on our website, redletterchristians.org. And sign on. Sign on. Become one of us. Uh, we're a movement. We're not an organization. And we want you to become part of it and to so live out the lifestyle that Jesus has prescribed that it will be said, as it says in Scripture, that they will see your good works, they will see the life you're living, and glorify the Father who is in heaven. Mm. Are you living in such a way that people look at you and watch the way you're living, the way you're giving, the way you're praying, the way you're following the teachings of Christ, so that they end up praising God, glorifying the Father who is in heaven? Thanks for listening, friends, and you'll be back next week, and we'll be talking to you again here on Across the Pond, 